Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Locked On Indians podcast. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. On today's show, we're going to do a World Series preview. We're going to look at both the Dodgers and the Rays going through rosters, lineups, who I think is going to win and in how many games. And a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rock Auto. So if you have been listening to the podcast, you know that dating back to probably about March or April, I made my first World Series uh, pick, and it was exactly what we're seeing now. Uh, Yes, I do wish I could go back in time and maybe uh, put a small wager on it. But I picked the Rays and the Dodgers to get uh, to the World Series when we thought we'd have a full season. And the basic reason was they had strong lineups and incredible minor league depth. You're looking at two teams that had the pieces to go out and add more if they needed it, or if they had players that got hurt, they could easily replace them. And that's kind of been the story, I think, with both of these organizations, both of these squads. It's just that overall depth and how much they've been able to take advantage of it. Let's start off talking about the Dodgers. This is a team that went out and acquired former AL MVP Mookie Betts right before, well, not right before the season, but right before things got a little crazy. And then afterwards, their trade got a little bit crazy and had to be redone, gone through again. And some might argue that the trade ended up working out even better for this Dodgers team. Because for as much as we talk about Mookie Betts, the pitching staff has really uh, relied on Brutistar, uh, Gratriol out of the pen. He's been a great weapon for them. And, you know, the question was never if he was going to be a good pitcher or not. Most people believed he would be a strong pitcher. Question was if it'd be as a starter or a reliever. He has found a home in that bullpen for the Dodgers. I've always thought that's where his best role is going to be. And I think that might be where he is to stay. But before we get into the bullpens, let's just talk about this Dodgers team in general and the ridiculous depth they have. I talked about acquiring Mookie Betts. Corey Seager had had a breakout rookie year and never quite lived up to that level after that until this season. This year, he was maybe the best offensive shortstop in baseball. He was one of the top talents in baseball overall and really showed that promise he had had when he first debuted. He is just 26 years of age. He will be a free agent at the end of the year. Uh, he's going to be in that same pool as Francisco Lindor. And... One, depending on what happens next year, could make a case for Seager getting more money if Seager ends up with a higher offensive profile. It's unlikely, but it's not completely crazy talk, which is what a year ago would have felt like. Just to go through the, uh, let's start on the infield with this Dodgers team. So at first base is Max Muncie. Uh, If you are a deep, deep Indians fan, you will know that Max Muncie was actually drafted by the Indians out of high school and unsigned. Uh, so missed out there and every team has a few players that got away. Max Muncy was designated for assignment by Oakland. He was completely let go. A lot of teams could have claimed him, goes to the Dodgers, finds a home and has played mostly first this year, but he spent some time at second and just all over just the perfect utility player, uh, in a lot of regards for the Dodgers over the past few years. When he moved to second base, it was supposed to be Gavin Lux. That was the guy who was one of the premier prospects in baseball. And Chris Taylor just continued to be Chris Taylor, which is maybe the most underrated infielder in baseball. When you pull up his statistics, basically since he's left Seattle, he has fallen into a starting job with the Dodgers every single year. 
and he's been an above average contributor, like significantly above average. 2017, 140 games, 126 WRC plus, runs created plus. 100 is average. It's just an easy tool. When you look at it and go, oh, a 126, he was worth 4.8 war that year. Next year, 2018, 155 games, 113 WRC plus, 3.1 war. 2019, only plays in 124 games, still a 107 WRC plus and a 1.7 war. 56 games this year, a 131 WRC plus, 1.5 war. One of the really, it's crazy that he could play for the Dodgers, but they have so many great players that he is actually underestimated. In 2020 alone, he played shortstop, left field, second base, center field, and DH for the Dodgers. Just a great utility player. Can have him play every day at a different position and be effective because the bat plays. And just wanted to spend some time on Taylor because he'll probably enter next year without a defined job again. The the assumption will be Gavin Lux is going to play second base. And Taylor, who has been highly productive for multiple years in a row, probably enter next season again viewed as a bench bat continuing on the infield we've already talked about shortstop let's go to third base justin turner is locked in and justin turner is another one of those fun stories really when you get into it because he's another one who has traveled around uh you might remember him from his mets days when he first came up and you know he debuted actually with the orioles in 2009 played with the orioles and the mets in 2010 uh with the mets was an average-ish or below average player in 2011, 2012, and 2013 gets let go, immediately goes to the Dodgers and something changes. 3.4 war, which was a higher value in 2014 than he had in his previous four years combined. 2015 is a 3.9, then a 5, 5.4, 4.2, 3.4. And he's been declining. A lot of that is his defense has really uh, declined as well rather significantly. But it doesn't change the fact that, you know, it's still a 140 WRC plus. Uh, if you're a team, I'm, he's a free agent to be. He's an ideal DH candidate for any team that is going to be looking at the open market for someone to fill that spot. Highly productive, walks at a high rate, doesn't strike out a ton. The power wasn't there as much this year, but you're getting just an on-base machine with some doubles pop, some home run pop, nothing huge. But still, he's going to be... I think a good value for a team that can that is looking for a DH next year. And another one of those junkyard finds. It's crazy that the Dodgers have three of those in their starting lineup. I mean, Taylor was someone Seattle gave up on. We talked about Muncie at second base and third base Turner. It's almost their entire infield is guys who other teams just said, oh, this guy isn't good enough. The only one on their infield who is not is Corey Seager. Their outfield is the opposite of that. Uh, AJ Pollock was a big free agent signing, cost them a first rounder. Only knock on him through the years is could he stay healthy? Uh, there were some concerns heading into this year because he is, you know, going to turn 33 at the end of this season. How well he'd hold up. He's always had some injury issues, and as players age, those tend to get worse. But he's been fine. He had a great year. Cody Bellinger is. Do I need to say more? If you watch Game Seven. You know what Cody Bellinger is, uh, just a, an amazing athlete. Came up as a first baseman, playing mostly center field for him this year. Huge bat, great ability. And then Mookie Betts is another one. You don't really need me to explain Mookie Betts to you. You know who Mookie Betts is. That's their lineup. Uh, I did not talk about catcher and DH. Catcher Will Smith, uh, former first-round pick out of Louisville. 
good power potential, had a solid season. Catchers are hard to find. He had a solid season. And that's what's crazy about the Dodgers because they actually have another catcher prospect waiting in the wings. It's it's nice to be the Dodgers. Uh, remember, before both of these guys, they had Yasmani Grandel there forever. So they have never had to struggle at the catching position. And their DH, Jock Peterson, another free agent to be, uh, he was supposed to be traded. Like there was a trade in place. It, it, when everything fell apart with the first deal, it held up this deal with Peterson to the Angels. And he didn't have a great year. Uh, he's probably the weakest hitter in their lineup statistically with the season he had. Not necessarily a bad year. One of those guys, I'll be curious to see what his market looks like in the world of unknown free agency. Because in an ideal place, you probably have him as a platoon bat. He probably never faces another left-hander again. And you're just having him out there in left field. Because that's where he profiles best. Um, the Dodgers, I mean, maybe that's what they do next year. Maybe it's Chris Taylor's the third baseman. Gavin Lux at second base. You look at their top prospects. I already mentioned Kiebert Ruiz is the catcher. Uh, they've got another catcher coming along in Diego uh, Cartea. Michael Bush should be available sooner rather than later. And Josiah Gray is the big pitching prospect. I imagine he will break in as a reliever for the Dodgers sooner rather than later. So just looking at their offense, and even as we do a little looking to next year, they're they're in a great place. It's a solid lineup. The, the bench is okay. Nothing too spectacular there. Uh, when we get to the Rays, you'll see that it's markedly different with the Rays. And the pitching staff... This is where the Dodgers have it all together. I, My view on this whole series is uh, if the Dodgers win, I'm happy for Clayton Kershaw, but I'm going to probably be pulling for the Rays. Kershaw has been one of the best pitchers of my lifetime. I'd love to hear people stop talking smack about the small sample size of the playoffs. Walker Bueller is one of the best young arms in baseball. They've got Tony Goslin, Dustin May, and uh, Julio Arias to fill out those other spots. Great rotation, most of it very young. We talked about uh, Brutistar already. Joe Kelly got a lot of money, but he is kind of a, a back-end option. The other guys, of course, closer Kenley Jansen. And then Blake Trahan, who was released by Oakland because they didn't want to pay him after a down year in 2019. And then Pedro Baez uh, was the other guy who had a really strong year for them. Jake McGee was really good after he was released by Colorado. I know didn't have the best moments in the playoffs, but... He was fantastic for the Dodgers most of the season. Uh, their other lefty, Victor Gonzalez, also strong. Great bullpen. The Dodgers just had one of the best bullpens around. Mentioned at the top of the show, but today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need for a traditional chain front store. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only the brand his warehouse happens to carry. You have your own computer, which means you have access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business, and they cut out the middleman. They have their store, and when you go there, they're going to ship it to you, and they're going to pass those savings on to you, the consumer. So before you ever get any part on your car, make sure to mix and match. Go to rockauto.com, and you're going to see why they are consistently have better prices than the uh, any store you go to. Consistently, you're going to find that because they're able to keep their ever overhead low and pass the savings on to you. And remember that when you go to rockauto.com, 
and it, there's a little box that says, how'd you hear about us? Right locked on, right locked on MLB, right locked on Indians. Just make sure you write locked on so they know that we sent you there. Rockauto.com. Anytime you need a car, it should be the first place you go check to make sure that you are getting the right deal on those parts and pieces that we all inevitably need for our car over the years. Rockauto.com. Make sure to write locked on and how did you hear about us? So let's switch up and talk about the Rays here. Yes, I am rooting for the Rays. I'm going to root for small market when in doubt. And this Rays team is just ridiculous. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. But they are a team that has been built through a lot of spare parts trades. You know, uh, just in the ALCS, MVP Randy, I'm going to butcher his name, Erosarenia, was to many people the secondary piece. He did not get the talk of Jose Martinez in their deal where they traded uh, Matt Libertor to the Cardinals. The Cardinals should just stop making these deals. I still have no idea why the Cardinals back and they shipped Tommy Pham to them for nothing, uh, at least in my opinion at the time, what was nothing. But this is what the Rays do well. They make these deals that uh, they're targeting something, they're seeing something, and other teams just aren't. Uh, Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now in the Chris Archer deal, those were both prospects who the shine had come off of. They didn't seem to properly make that transition to the big leagues yet. Meadows has been a star when healthy. Glass, no, the same for them. Just continuing to go through the lineup. Manuel Margot, big prospect in Boston. Trades to San Diego. Never really lives up to it. Been another solid outfielder for them. Joey Wendell. Cleveland traded him for Brandon Moss. Oakland, I can't remember, very minor deal, sends him to uh, Tampa. He finishes... I think third in rookie of the year, but should have been second uh, in his when he finally got his opportunity to play. And after getting healthy, he's been the everyday third baseman in the postseason for uh, for Tampa. That's that says a lot because his bat isn't necessarily the best of their third base options. Steady glove, solid bat. He's there. I know I'm kind of bouncing around, but I'm going through all these guys that they got. Uh, Willie Adames, the shortstop. He came over in the Dar- David Price deal. Mike Zunino. They traded a very minor piece to Seattle for. And honestly, though, I mean, if we're being completely honest, Zunino is the weak piece in that lineup and probably catcher as a position in general. They will look to uh, use some of their outrageous depth to upgrade this offseason. I mean, we might as well fill in the rest of the lineup, but what's crazy about the lineup is how much parts and pieces are interchangeable, and that's just the depth of the Rays. Brandon Lowe, second baseman, I thought that was a steal pick. For them back in uh, 2015, great numbers, great production at Maryland, I want to say. There's always going to be defensive questions, but he's been one of the best offensive second basemen pretty much from the moment he uh, debuted. G-Man Choi came over uh, in another one of those really minor deals from Seattle. He hasn't been an everyday guy for them at first. He's more of a platoon, hits righties for them. Uh, Solid another solid player, like a guy who for other teams, a lot of other teams in this league would probably just be a full-time player. But again, they're smart with their platoons trying to see what position I might've missed as I was hopping around in here. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer, offensively, not as much, but let's be honest, he's in there almost entirely for his defensive ability. There is not much uh, beyond that that matters. If, if he can give you average production with the bat, you take it. Now to talk about this bench, because this is where it gets, even more ridiculous. Hunter Renfro uh, also came over from the Padres. They made two separate trades for outfielders. Renfro, Renfro came over in the FAM deal. 
And the Margot deal off the top of my head, I can't remember what the piece was going. I think it was a, a relief pitcher going out in that one. I could be wrong. Uh, but either way, Renfro is, he's a great, basically as a platoon partner with uh, G-Man Choi. That's ideal. Uh, maybe, and again, for a lot of teams, he would not even be a platoon candidate. He'd be a full-time starter. Uh, Yandi Diaz is another guy who, I mean, he has more or less been the platoon pairing with G-Man Choi. And this is a guy who, when he plays, hits fourth in the lineup. And when he doesn't play, it's because they have the depth. That's right. They can take the guy who is occasionally their cleanup hitter and have him not play every game because that is the ridiculous death, depth with Tampa. They went out and signed Yoshi uh, Tugo was a gave a few million dollars to sign him uh, from uh, Japan in the offseason. And he's got like one start in the last round. Uh, another interesting bat they don't have a spot for. That's that's the story of this team. You go up to their top prospects. I mean, at some point next year, Wander Franco is going to debut, and he's probably the most hyped prospect of the last 10, 15, 20. I mean, he's a, viewed widely as a generational type of talent. Uh, Vidal Brujan can also come up probably at some point next year. Another up-the-middle talent for that organization. Josh Lowe. Uh, who's not related to Brandon Lowe, but is related to Nate Lowe, who's another one of their bench uh, first base types, is uh, you know he, someone who can also debut next year. Uh, Taylor Walls, who going back to his Florida State days, has been just a walk machine, just walks more than anyone, continues to walk at a high rate in the minors. Another up-the-middle talent that they don't necessarily have a spot for, but he's coming, and... That is why I say that this could be a team that certainly traces catching uh, in the offseason because they have so much talent that is ready. They already have a sick amount of depth, and it's just going to get sicker. I mean, is that the correct way to phrase it? It doesn't change the fact that this Rays team is just stacked, and they have arguably the top prospect. Top, They do have the top prospect in baseball and maybe the top minor leagues in baseball. And, I mean, they just keep adding to it. The rotation is the one place where the Dodgers do have the advantage. Uh, Glass now has been great. Blake Snell has not lived up to the, the Cy Young year. He's been good. Don't get me wrong. He's He would be in every team's rotation. But he hasn't been Cy Young good really since that season. Charlie Morton was really good two years ago. This year he was more of a mid-to-back rotation guy. And Ryan Yarbrough, Yarbrough for me has been a, a pleasant surprise where he's actually been a bit better than Morton but kind of a similar level. And this team excels by going to their pen, using it uh, intelligently, using it often, knowing where to use players in certain situations and not being afraid to be unconventional. Uh, Peter Fairbanks, Diego Castilla, and Nick Anderson have been the star pieces. Nick Anderson in particular has been their top reliever all year, but you can even extend beyond that. John Curtis, who bounced around uh, since he was a draft pick of the Twins way back in the day, has been exceptional this year. Jose Alverdo was hurt for part of the year, but two years ago, he was their closer. Aaron Loop, who was with, bounced around, had some great years with Toronto, but has bounced around since then, has been closed strongly for them, and they used him uh, multiple times in the last series. It's a deep, interesting pen, and Maybe that is where the Rays have a clear advantage. It's not the pen, but as in manager. It's how they are managed. It's the team. 
that they not just their depth and what they put out there, but Kevin Cash, another Indians guy. So if you're looking at the Rays, you've got uh, Indians connections with Cash, uh, Wendell, and Diaz. If you're looking at the Dodgers, uh, the only one that really came to mind was Max Muncie. Well, Dave Roberts was a uh, an Indian for a time, but Cash was a bullpen coach with the Indians before he went to the Rays, and he he's just maybe the best manager in baseball right now. He is very forward thinking. I thought openers were dumb. I was dumb. It was uh, one of those things that I had to learn and understand why that works and why that made them such a success. And they continue to just use new age thought. And I feel like watching the Rays, I am learning new things all the time. What is my final thought on this series? I think it's the Rays series to win. That depth is going to be a huge advantage after the marathon of this past season. And they just can keep throwing waves at you. It is a never-ending wave. The Dodgers have interesting players. They have interesting depth. They don't, and their their lineup is stronger. There's no doubt in my mind that the Dodgers have a stronger lineup. They, the, bull, the pitching staffs and the bullpens feel about even to me. But the Rays' depth and the Rays' managerial advantage makes me feel like I'm going to say the Rays in seven. I think this is going to be a hard-fought series. I pre- correctly projected these two teams, like I said, back in March and April to make the World Series. Now I'm projecting the Rays to win in seven. Uh, I just feel like all of this depth is such an advantage in a season that was as compressed as it was this year. And the thing about this Rays team is who are they losing? This is not a team that has a ton of vets on it. They made a series of trades to add players that have longer control and they're going to have this team in place and they have fantastic talent coming on the way in. You know, I barely even talked about like Mike Brassi who hit the big home run in the Yankee series and is the rare, rare player who didn't get drafted at all. The draft is 40 rounds. You're looking at like over probably an average of when you're looking at the comp picks and the competitive balance picks, maybe 32 picks per round. You're looking at over 1,200 players get drafted. He didn't even get drafted, and he uh, helped them advance and is part of their postseason roster. And again, a team with great depth. He is on there. He is getting chances to play. Uh, the Rays, like I said, I can't recall a team that I've ever seen that just had this much depth in place, this many options to go to, so many players that are just on the horizon. This could be honestly, the beginning of a dynasty. They are going to be able to, if they want, target talent and players to make them better. They have so much talent. They can trade from a a strength and still have even more depth. So I'm crowning the Rays here in 2020 and crowning the beginning of something special. Could this be the kiss of death with them? Absolutely. Uh, My luck with such things almost says that I just uh, gave the Dodgers the World Series by making this prediction. But the Rays have built something special. No one's doing it better than them right now in terms of player development or advanced thought. They have so much depth everywhere. And to be in the World Series and have a generational talent coming up through your minor league system ready to play next year once they get through service time manipulation and arguably the top minors in baseball right now. Uh, Future is now and the future is bright. All hail the Tampa Bay Rays, the Kings of baseball. Uh, I hope you have enjoyed today's show and today's world series preview. 
we're using a new software. So make sure to let me know how it sounds, how it looks, everything else. Uh, now that we have this, I'm going to be having more guests on because it's going to be easier to do things with backgrounds uh, and such with our new software. So make sure you're checking it out. Like I said, it's going to be less of me talking at you. And in the coming weeks, it's going to be a lot more guests. I'm going to start bringing people in because this new uh, software we're using is fantastic. And this continued partnership with WKYC Cleveland just leaves me absolutely delighted. Again, I am Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter 